Does God know everything? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hear the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, how you doing today? You know, I'm doing okay. It is a relatively sunny Thursday afternoon, and um, you know, by the time people are listening to this, it'll be a Thursday morning. So that whole reference will be really strange to hear, but that's okay. We're gonna okay. go back in time. And that's right. They, well, I'm sure everybody listens to this as soon as it releases. Nobody, would, you know, wait. Totally. Yeah, I, I understand. They're, yeah. you know, they're in. They're imagining they still have a commute to listen to this. That's what's happening. <laughs> you know, my podcast listening has dried up since March. It's tr- yeah. Like audiobooks and podcasts have, um, yes. I have not been listening to as much. And no, I've had to um, decline two audiobook reservations. So you, I put holds on through the library. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of these books, it takes so long to get them. And uh, when I got them recently, it's like, no, I don't, well, I should, I was about to say, I don't have time. I won't make the time right now. Uh, to listen to them because it's, it's so hard for me just to listen to something around the house or whatever. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. doing yard work, but the car was just this ideal time for me to crush podcasts and books and so forth. Yeah. So COVID has robbed so many of us. I know of that. it's, it's ruined my Goodreads list and my challenge is yeah. just totally up in smoke. <sighs> exactly. And just to be clear, uh, lest nobody understand, we do not take COVID lightly. We are no. we do not take lightly people who are suffering job loss, physical, uh, even death and so forth. We're not trying to make light of that at all. Uh, so please know that. No, no. But, you know, we're it's it's a either laugh or cry mentality right <laughs> exactly. now. And exactly. That's what yeah, we got. Just add this. Add this to the long list of things COVID has done, and recognizing this as a a relatively small, insignificant qualm. That's right. That's right. And a cry for help. Hey, exactly. It would not be an episode of our podcast if we didn't have some kind of qualifier in there somewhere. Nope. And hopefully that's the only one we've got today. <laughs> well, let's talk about God being omniscient because he oh, there's is another one coming then. Yeah, he he knows exactly how much of a knucklehead we can be. So. Aaron, uh, why don't you go ahead and read the essential doctrine for us as always, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to talking about omniscience. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so here's what we mean. I didn't do well in science. <laughs> no, no. Well, here is what we mean when we talk about, uh, about God being omniscient. So scripture teaches that God is all knowing. He is the one who has perfect knowledge, says Job 37, 16, and his knowledge extends to all things past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. His knowledge is complete, and he and as he is outside of time, he has known from all eternity whatever will come to pass. In response to God's omniscience, we admit our finite knowledge and trust his decisions as wise and good. All right. That so if we had, is a, that's a lot. Yeah. If we could boil that down, I would say it's simply God has always known everything. Yes. And will always um, know everything. And will always know everything. Um, and, and it's, if you want to add another wrinkle of that, you could say that God has known and always will known everything that has been, is, and will be, and everything that is possible as well. Yes. 
So if you want to stretch that a little bit, and then you can keep going into the fuller definition that you provided. So God knows a lot. Yes. Yes. He knows He knows everything. And I mean, you know, I made a crack about omniscience earlier, but I mean, that's that's just really how the, how the Latin breaks down is omni yeah. is all and knowledge is science. So we yes. put them together and we go with omniscient. Makes all, sense. All knowledge. It makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. All right. So let's let's look at a few passages. You mentioned one. Let's look at that as well in yes. the definition itself, Job thirty seven sixteen. But uh, let's look at that one and maybe a couple other passages that where we see this doctrine in Scripture. All right. So uh, like we said a couple times, Job thirty seven sixteen says, "Do you understand how the clouds float? Those wonderful works of Him who has perfect knowledge." Psalm one forty seven five says. Our Lord is great, vast in power. His understanding is infinite. 1 John 3.20 says, This is how we will... This starts at verse 19. Uh, this is how we, we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Those are just a few, and we see we see examples of it all throughout. I mean, you you think about the 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 prophetic writings that are in Scripture, the these prophecies that God gives through human beings, and says this is going to happen, and they do. Those are examples of God's omniscience um, in practice as well. And we see there are a couple times in Scripture where it seems like God does not know something. And we have to read them through the lens of the, the bigger, clear truth that God is all-knowing. So, for example, in Genesis 3, after the fall, God asks where Adam and Eve are. Mm -hmm. And on the, on the surface, it might seem like God is ignorant. He does not know where they are, so he's asking. That's not what's going on there. He is giving Adam and Eve a chance to confess and repent because he knew what they had done. Yes. Uh, he was fully aware. He knew where they were. He knew what they had done and, and so forth. So we just need to be careful that we read the Bible fairly and we don't take a, a verse like that or a passage like that, for example, and, and contort it out of its context to make it sound as if God is limited in his knowledge. Yeah. So I've started approaching this idea of cautions. Let, let's continue pressing into that. Um, and, and I'll just offer another one, and I've intimated this a second ago in the definition, the simplified definition, that this doctrine is even bigger than we might think. Uh, and again, I think when a lot of people think of, of God's omniscience, his all knowledge, uh, they just think, well, God knows everything. And, and to remi remember everything that has happened, everything that is happening, everything that will happen is, is even bigger. And when we camp out on that, it's easy to say that, but when you think about this, let me give a, a, a simple analogy that you will not appreciate as a non-sports person, uh, Aaron. <laughs> God, think about just Major League Baseball. God knows every single pitch that has ever been thrown, who threw it, what the path of the baseball was, whether it was a ball or strike, what happened to it, who caught it. I mean, keep going on those details. And that is this one simple, silly example of how complex knowing everything is. Uh, we hear people say he knows how many grains of sand are on every beach in the world and how many stars. He knows them by name. When you start pressing this into what does it mean to know everything, 
and start to peel back the layers of all the information there is to know about these trivial things. And then you go more important things about he knows all people. He knows all of our thoughts. He knows what's best for us. And it gets deeper and more important. It becomes more robust and beautiful. But there's also this avenue. If that has not blown your mind enough already, not only does God know everything that has happened and everything that will happen, He knows everything that could have happened. This is what you see in Luke chapter 10, verses 13 and 16, where Jesus is declaring these woes to these two cities. And he says, because for if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. So notice here you see that Jesus is aware fully of what could have happened, not just what has happened. And so you start making decision trees and you get a headache in a a, a hurry, so have some Advil. And you keep going back. What if you had turned left instead of turning right that one time, again, just to be a silly analogy, Mm -hmm. and think about where that path each leads, and then all the subsequent turns, and all the possibilities, and God knows all this without any problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's it's incredible. And I mean, this is, this again, this is... um, when we're talking about this this doctrine, this is an aspect of his infinite nature. And so the last time we did a doctrine discussion, that we talked about about this broad category of the infiniteness or the infinity of God. And so it and how it applies to every aspect of who he is. And and so this is this is that that um drill down into into one of those things because and I'm mentioning all of this because what we have to remember is is that God is much bigger and much different than we are and so the cautions that we always have with things like omniscience and we'll talk about this with his omnipresence and his omnipotence his his so his um, ever-presentness and his all-powerfulness um, is that because we can't grasp those things because we're finite and he is not, we are always trying to bring him down to our level when scripture pushes us up to his. So that leads into this second point, which is uh, our second caution, which is that God doesn't learn anything. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't acquire knowledge at all. He has it all already. We learn things. He doesn't. If God didn't know anything, that would limit him. But if God is infinite, then he can't be limited in his knowledge. And, and, and to understand this, because I think sometimes we think, all right, well, how does God know what I'm going to do tomorrow? Tomorrow hasn't happened yet. And, you know, there's one way to look at it and say, well, God has foreknowledge, can look ahead. But there's, I think, the the better way to look at it is God is outside of time. All, all time is an eternal now for him. And so we, again, we're stuck in our way of thinking. And that's why it makes it seem like God learns something. But when you understand, no, God is time. And this is how these doctrines fuse together. Mm-hmm. Um, then no, he, he does not learn. Yeah. This is, I mean, this is one of those, those things that we should recognize with God is because God is outside of time. Um, really, anytime the scriptures talk about him, to some degree, there's an anthropomorphism happening. Yes. 
Define that for anybody who may not know what that term is. Basically, what we're doing, what it's doing, is it's giving him human characteristics to help mm -hmm. us relate and understand. So when we read a simpler version of somebody will say, you know, the hand of God. We, we know God has no body, so there's no physical hand, but that's a way we can understand him. Exactly. Exactly. And so because when we you... think we're stuck in that thinking, so God is kind of condescend to how we think. Right. The reason that we that I'm, I'm kind of harping on this a fair bit and, and why I really want us to, to get this idea, though, of God doesn't acquire knowledge. He doesn't learn is because his knowledge is not conditional. And so there is a... Um, in our attempts to grasp God, there there's a line of thinking in uh, theological circles that is called um, theological and philosophical circles called open theism. And so the idea behind this is basically that because God loves us and he desires that we freely choose to reciprocate his love, he's made his knowledge of and plans for the future conditional upon our actions. Um, and so what that means is, is that, and this is where, where there's an inherent conflict, even though, though proponents of such doctrines would disagree, the idea of God's omniscience and God not knowing what we will freely do in the future, those two things don't work together because they can't. From our perspective, what we do in the future and God's knowledge, all his omniscience, we can't make sense of those things. Again, this is that whole idea of God is too big for us. So we, if we try to bring him down to our level, even if we will try to say his knowledge is complete, there is a, log there is a logical disconnect that happens when we say, but God changes his plans and his knowledge based on our choices. Yeah, it, it's really open theism in my estimation is... A, a poor attempt, a wrong attempt, to understand God's knowledge through the lens of our freedom. And so if you start there, if you start with, hey, no, we're free, we can do what we want to do, and, and I would not argue that's, that's wrong, but if you start through that lens and say, therefore, if I'm free right now to either pick up the red pen or the blue pen, God cannot know what I'm about to do because I'm free. Therefore, God is learning in the, in the time. So we're forcing God's omniscience through the lens of our freedom. Mm -hmm. um, I would prefer, and I don't want to force either because I think we need to hold them both equally in tension. But I just think it's unwise whenever we start from a, a lens apart from God. I'd rather start with God knows everything. Now, how do I fit my freedom into that? I know it's true. I know both. I don't understand, but I'm not going to chip away at God's knowledge. No, no. And that's the thing is whenever we come to the scriptures, whenever we come to under, trying to understand the universe, we always start with God is God is bigger than everything else. Yeah, exactly. I think if we start with that posture, I think we're in a better. Now, you can still run into danger there because then you can run into uh, the, those who would say, no, then we don't have freedom. Right. We're just robots. And that's not biblical either. No. That's another error. So you can you can make a similar error but i i think it's it's wiser it's safer uh to start with let's start with god mm -hmm. and it'll work out from there yes yes all right so we we've talked about a couple of really big cautions that come with trying to understand this and particularly they're they're really coming from attempts to reduce 
reduce yeah. it to a way that we can grasp. But what difference should God's omniscience make? Well, I, I think I would want to revisit what we kind of were talking about earlier, and it's that this is a helpful mind breaker. And I'd want everybody listening to embrace this with joy. The beauty of just throwing your hands up in the air and saying, I don't get it. It is too big for me. Uh, this is kind of what we see in the Psalms at times where the psalmist is, is ironic with who God is and his greatness. And, and you just kind of have that vibe of, of, man, I'm just stymied here. You see it in Paul with Romans. He breaks into a doxology at one point after wrestling with the tension of God's sovereignty. And basically it's his way of saying, I'm diving into deep, rich theological waters, and I don't quite understand how God works, but I worship him because as I see how big he is, how much about him I cannot grasp because I'm finite and he is infinite, that drives me to worship. So I would say that when we think about this doctrine, for example, it can either lead us to frustration or worship. And I choose worship. Um, instead of me being frustrated that there's something I don't know because I, in my selfishness, I want to be all-knowing. And instead of me trying to reconcile this and me reach some kind of clear, easy explanation of how God knows things and tie a nice bow on the box and so forth. No, I just need to say, man, every single pitch that has ever been thrown its speed, its rotation, where it happened, what the temperature of the day was, how many people were sitting in the seats, who was sitting in each... I mean, you just keep going on and on about one silly analogy. And I just want to end up in awe of God. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want that to drive me to worship. And I think the other thing that we should take away from this, the other, the other the other difference it should make in our lives ultimately is, is that it, that like so many other doctrines, this is a great comfort to us. So God knows our situation. He knew about, he knew about the coronavirus before we did. He was not caught off guard by the, anything that's happened so far in 2020. So not the coronavirus, not murder hornets, not Kanye announcing he's running for president. (laughs) None of these things surprised him. So he, and because he is not surprised by any of this stuff, because he knows it all already, he knows what's best for us and he knows what to do. And so we can come to him and we can, come to him and say, okay, God, I don't understand what's, what's going on, but you do help me to live through this and live faithfully in it. Yeah. The one who knows all those silly stats of a baseball pitch knows my name, knows my heart, knows what's best for me, loves me, and he's holding me in the palm of his hand. That's a good doctrine. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap it up there because I hope in this moment all of our listeners are kind of reveling and delighting. It's let, let's let them worship. So I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, then please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.